Welcome to another episode of Bright Headed Publishing Patio Book Book Club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. Today, I had the pleasure of meeting author Sintel Smith. Sintel has written a series called Call Numbers. These books are six books in the series. Two of the books are available now, Call Numbers and Book Endings. I'm so excited that he's decided to come on to the podcast and be the newest member of the book club. Let's welcome him. Welcome our newest book club member, author, Sintel Smith. Sintel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you are here with me today. Thank you for being a member of the book club. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I love when authors come through and that's all that comes through is mostly authors. So I'm always excited when we get a new member to the book club. So if you've never listened to the podcast before, kind of have a little format that we follow. And the first thing I always want to find out about the authors before we get into your books, and you have two of them um, that we're going to be talking about, call numbers and book endings. But before we get into your books and what those are about, I want to learn about Sintel, the author. So tell me about your journey to becoming a published author. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Yes, I did, actually. I was very good at um, doing comprehensive writing in school. I had an active, vivid imagination, and um, I was very good at uh, doing essays and reports and um I would say like short stories when the, uh, they were assigned to me. It goes back to school and then um, once again in college. Um, down the line, I actually got into um, screenwriting. I was very interested into um, hopefully doing television and uh, movies. And um, I actually took classes. I did a couple of workshops, and um, I started like studying film scripts to get the format and like you know how to actually set the scene and uh, captivate the audience with your writing. And from there, it actually led into me like doing my own personal thing back in the, the early 2000. 2001 just doing um blogs blogging was like the big thing back then and it still is now but um i think starting with my blogs i was able to express myself and get into my um comfort of um sharing my ideas with, with the world um pretty much telling my stories of my everyday life and everything that I was going through at the time. I also got into like, you know, doing um, pop culture reviews of um, movies, TV shows, and um, music albums and everything like that. And it really led to me getting a following. I was able to like, you know, relate to my audience, people that would read my reviews and read my blog entries. I was someone that they could actually relate to, a common person. And it was just something about how I um, expressed myself in my writings that people said, you know, I had an actual knack for it. 
a nice um they call it a stream of consciousness nice yeah so how do you go from all of these things you know taking screenwriting classes and wanting to be a screenwriter and doing all of these other things to where you are today as a published author what made you decide to finally say you know what i'm going to go ahead and publish this book um i would say the way um self-publishing has become a little easier within the last 10 years um back in the 2000s the resources weren't there at the time for me to actually get into the whole publishing industry at the time i had an idea i had a concept that actually was like originally an idea for a tv show based on my work experiences at the library for new york city at the time during the 90s i thought that would be a cool idea for a tv show so i wrote a treatment and a, and a pilot script and i shopped it around and it got noticed but i never really like got any offers on it from any producers or anything like that so i kind of sat on the project for like 10 years and then you know i think back in 2015 i started revisiting the project and thinking you know it's a little easier now to just put your books out there using um, Amazon or Smashwords or Ingram Spark. So I came up with the idea of actually turning the script into like a novella. And then it just grew into an actual full-length novel and then a series. That's very cool. So the books are call numbers and book endings. Is there a third book? Yes. I'm working on it now. It's going to be an ongoing series that will hopefully go at least maybe six or seven books. I'm not really sure. Okay, that's cool. So let me ask you a question. You said that the publishing piece got easier. And I know that self-publishing has gotten easier. There's a, a lot of resources out there that are free or um, low cost that will you know help you get your book out there. But most authors that I have spoke with always say the marketing has been the challenging part. How have you marketed your books? Um, marketing has been a challenge, but in the wake of um, current events these days, uh, with the whole pandemic and everything like that, I really actually uh, moved on to Twitter. Last year around this time, I really didn't have like a social media presence. And with, you know, all the book events that I had planned being canceled here and there I was wondering how was I going to get my book out and then I just actually just tried to improve my Twitter presence and really got myself out there and I actually found a lot of other writers in my in the same boat as me and we all like pretty much collaborated and helped each other with like you know tips here and there there's a wonderful hashtag out there called um writing community and depending on how you spell community you know you could really come across a lot of talented self-published authors that are helping each other out yeah using that using that hashtag i was really able to market the book well and actually get noticed very cool. Yeah, marketing is a challenge. I think social media is a great way to do it. Have you ever thought about audiobooks? 
Yes, definitely. I finally got the first book, Call Numbers, released on Audible just last month, and it's it's pretty much um, you know getting good reviews. Congratulations! Yep. Congratulations! Yeah, that's. I think that's another great way to market your book because you tap into a whole new audience. Yes, right? definitely. A lot of people um, listen to books. They don't. They don't either like to read or have the time to read. So being able to to pop it on and put it on, you know, listen to it on your headphones is is great. So congratulations to you. Yes, it's a great listen for a nice long drive. Yes, absolutely. I love audiobooks. So I'm interested in telling your book. So tell me about the books, call numbers and book endings. Which one is first? And then, you know, you said it's going to be an ongoing series. So I'm really interested to find out what it's all about. Yes. Um, the very first book is um, Call Numbers with the subtitle, The Not-So-Quiet Life of Librarians. So, Call Numbers is pretty much the whole name of the entire series, even though the second book is called Book Endings. It has like a after title saying that it's a Call Numbers novel. So, Call Numbers sets the stage for the rest of the series, and it talks about um, librarians working in New York City back in 1994. It's loosely based on my experiences as the main character is a transfer that um, arrives at this new branch in um, the middle of um, Midtown Manhattan on 58th Street on the east side. He originally worked uptown in Washington Heights, his neighborhood library, and he was only working like part-time at the school as what they call a page. A page is one of those teenagers that like put the books back on the shelves and like keep the books like neat and the shelves tidy and everything like that. Once they graduate from high school, they become a clerk. And those are the people that check out the books and return the books you know, behind the desk and everything like that. So the whole series is surrounded by the main character who is um, Robin Walker. Like I said, he's loosely based on me. He's transferring at this new branch and he's trying to like, you know, find, find his place in this new position, trying to fit in. But unfortunately, the branch is kind of a hostile work environment which is kind of surprising to some people because you never know, you would never think that there's actually drama going on at at a library. library. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not at the library. Exactly. So this book really is an eye-opener to those who read it and experience what goes on at the actual branch. And they could probably relate to it because anybody who's worked in retail or anybody who's like worked in like the office type, you know, work environment, which is why I compare this um, the book to like The Office, you know, the TV show, working at a paper factory and stuff like that. You know, they're able to relate. Everybody has like that type of character within the series that, you know, they can relate to. The brown noser, the delusional supervisor, the go-getter, and all those types in the office politics that goes on. And they're in the library as well. Yes. There's a (laughs) lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, 
interlayered um, inter storylines, a little bit of romance, a little bit of intrigue, a lot of secrets and conspiracies. You know, it really draws you in. And the book you said is going to be, you said at least a series of six. And so throughout this book, is your main character at always working at the library? Yes. Okay. So he stays. So yes. He stays. <laughs> Even though he doesn't, he's not really well received, you know, he fights for his position to stay there, um, going through a lot of adversity at first. He has to win his co-workers over. So is it where, as, as the book goes through six, you know, like you said, a series of six, where you introduce more characters and the main character evolves and maybe finds things out about himself that he didn't know in the beginning of the stories? Yes, it's pretty much an ensemble drama. Some people will stay, some people will move on and go. New characters will also be introduced. But, you know, it's still going to be like that tight-knit group. It has 13 main characters in it, which sometimes is kind of hard to keep track of, which is why I provide them, uh, I provide in the book in the beginning, a character index so people can actually keep track on who's who. Because there's, there's pretty much like three different like levels to the employees that work there. There are pages, pretty much like the lower totem pole. They're the clerks, and then there's the librarians. The librarians are naturally the people that help people um, find their books that they're looking for. Right. You know, they stay at the information desk in the middle of the branch, you know. Right. Pretty much working the whole floor. So, writing in that type of genre and having this ensemble cast, don't you find that because it's a story that's kind of loosely based on your life, and the characters growing and evolving, that the story really never ends? I, well, uh, the story I have planned for it does have, like, you know, a beginning, a middle, and end. There is a timeline, you know. I'm not working at the library now, so I'm pretty much like, you know, there is, like, you know, a final end game that happens to the main character. You know, after the six books. So there is a story. He does definitely grow and mature, you know. In his first book, you know, he's not really a likable character because he's like going through all this adversity and he's trying to make a name for himself and everything. So, but you know, he's young and you know, he could be like, you know, kind of a loose cannon, something like that, kind of emotional driven and everything. But as he grows on, he becomes more mature and he does move up in the ranks and everything like that. I don't want to give away too much, but you know, the series will span at least four years because I worked at the branch is that I worked at for at least six of them. I'm not going to do my whole history of when I was there, just a certain time period from 1994 to the year 2000 or probably 1999 I'm just going to do those years so two of the books are out there called numbers and then there's book endings so are the other four books in your mind or are they on paper they're in my mind and on paper they're planned out you know I have an idea you know which book is going to cover which year you know it's almost like you know 
I hate to compare it, but it's almost like the Harry Potter series, you know, how he starts, you know, his first year at wizard school and goes on to the second year, the third year, and the fourth year. So, you know, it's sort of like that. Gotcha. And, you know. So, as as you're going through, you said that there are the, the other four books are kind of in your mind and on paper. So, what is your process when you are writing, do you are you a writer that has like a process that kind of maps and outlines everything? Or are you the type of writer that just sits down and writes? I know I kind of have a tendency to write off the seat of my pants. That's what they call them. Those types. I have a loose outline on how the story's going to go, but I don't have all the details yet. And I pretty, come, pretty much come up with them as I'm actually writing. You may... I may get a good idea, like, you know, while I'm sleeping or, you know, something may remind me of something that I could implement into a later story. You know, I don't have it all set in stone yet, but I have a general idea and I'm just pretty much writing as I go. What's the timeline for having all the books out? Do you have an idea in your head for when you want the books to come out one by one? Yes. I'm trying to finish this third book by the end of this year so it could come out next year in March. The good thing about self-publishing is, you know, I'm pretty much in control of when my books come out. Yep, that is true. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't have to, like, worry about any deadlines, any pressure from, like, you know, editors or, you know, if I was in a traditional publishing situation, I would have to deal with, like, you know, scheduling right. in order not to conflict with other authors that might be under the same house or whatever. I could release the book whenever I want to. So the goal is to release book three next year. Yes. And then is it going to be like a book a year or uh, two books a year, do you think? Well, this book concludes the, th- uh, the first 1994 trilogy. The first three books all take place in 94. Then the fourth book will be in 1995. And I plan to do that probably a couple of years later. I have other ideas that I'm writing and other like stories I want to do outside the series. And, you know, once again, I could do them at my own leisure. There's no pressure. If these books are well-received, naturally, they'll get the more preferred treatment, you know, as opposed to any other writing I'm trying to put out there. The series catches on. I would definitely continue, you know, releasing more updated books as it's, you know, well-received. Are you going to, or is the goal to put all of them on Audible as well? Have audiobooks for all of them? Definitely, yes. I'm working on hopefully getting um, book two prepared by the end of this year. So by the time book three comes out, book two will be out on audiobook. And so what was that process like for somebody who's maybe thinking about doing an audiobook but doesn't know where to start? What was that process like? Can you give us some ideas? Well, I um, went through um, AXC, which is Amazon's, you know, audiobook company that works with Audible. And um, I pretty much had to, like, go through several um, voice actors to look for, to get the right narrator to tell the story. I had to hear a lot of, you know, what they... um, um, when they like do a reading of it, I think it's um 
what is it? Um, auditions. Sorry, that's, that's my okay. yeah, yeah. I had to hear a couple of auditions to get that right type of narrator I was looking for, and I had to find one that was in my right price range because um, voice acting is a very demanding, you know, process, and some of them really, you know want like a fair share of the royalties they also want like you know probably like a down payment of like you know how much they feel they're worth performing each um hour you know there's like a certain rate that like you know i think the starting rate is like you know fifty dollars every performed hour and book one is very long because it's a very extensive story it was 13 hours to record so there were some that were asking for like you know six or seven hundred dollars in advance up front and i couldn't really pay that so i I eventually found someone that would take an equal royalty share with the um incentive of paying them down the line after we like meet certain um achievements sell a certain number of copies or whatever and um the narrator i got you know was really you know patient with me and the fact that i told him it's um an ongoing series he was willing to do this book at a discount rate with the promise of more work coming down the line yeah so not trying to get all up into your business but give us an idea you know just even a ballpark of what you believe that cost you total to have that book made into an audiobook i would say with like the two payments i had planned scheduled uh 1200 dollars. it's like almost like a hundred dollars an hour yeah a 13 hour uh, audiobook you know you pretty much paying like a hundred or close to a hundred an hour and like i said once it sells enough copies he's willing to take like you know payments in like you know increments instead of paying the whole thing up front or even half up front to get them started because some voice actors are different like that right well you know you found somebody who is willing to work with you and and maybe that's what you know somebody else will have to do too but i think that if you find the right person you could probably find somebody who's willing to work with you twelve hundred dollars for an audiobook is not a lot of money if you look at it as an investment right which you know is. which it is i mean you you have to you know when you are self-publishing it has a lot of perks like you said you're in control you get to make the decisions but you're also the one paying right. <laughs> for everything as well so exactly you know you have to pay for an editor you know did you have somebody edit your books yes i went through um several editors because um since it was my first book and everything like that, I was just pretty much trying to find my voice and my um, my writing style. And there were some editors that, you know, kind of found it difficult to work with me. So I wanted to actually work with um, certain editors that would be able to relate to the story, you know, since it's like, you know, it's very urban, but still contemporary and everything like that and you know I need to make sure that there was an editor that knew how you know people talked in New York you know they have like that distinct city 
style or whatever like they have know. a certain vernacular right you know so and there were some editors that you know didn't want to work with me for some reason because of that so it was a process but you know it's all about the search and when you find that right person that works with you and you know does good work and you stick with them and once again like i say you promise more work in the future that that perfect editor eventually you know is a good find so you you found an editor you you feel for all the books yes nice yes it wasn't easy though it was not easy and again an editing is something that you're gonna have to pay for right um and i know that you can find editors that will say hey i'll edit your book for two three hundred dollars and i'm sorry they're probably not really editors exactly they don't do a good job and there's editors out there that want to charge like six seven eight hundred dollars and then they look at your project and they think it's beneath them or something like that you're like uh no i'm not really interested in this right you know it would be too much work and you know you're just not actually the type of client i'm looking for you know a lot of the publishing community is very cliquish editors cover designers cover artists um, book reviewers beta readers you know it's almost like a you know it's like high school it's like dealing with mean girls every now and then and it takes a while for you you have to really develop some tough skin and it takes a while before you can actually find some people that are actually you like willing to help you and work with you and all that yeah i think that with with any industry but you're right you know it's it's a competitive industry yes right it's incredibly competitive especially with um all the self-publishing you can do now i mean you don't need a big house to get your book out there right that's very true you know the marketing aspect is, is is a challenge for most how do I market? How do I reach my audience? Because I believe there's an audience for your book. Absolutely. Yes. You just have to find them. And how do you do that? And, you know, how I do need an editor. And how much do I pay for that? And how do I, you know, working with the right person, like you said, and a, and a graphic designer for the cover of your book, because that matters. Right. You know, and so all of these things you need to think about. But it's a process. Yes, it is. I made the mistake of designing my own cover. And when the first edition came out, you know, it really, it sold a few copies, but, you know, it didn't have a presence. I, like, you know, my cover was very basic. It was very mysterious. You know, there was no real design to it. And it wasn't until I found that perfect cover designer that did the second edition of my book and that's doing the covers now for me that, you know, it really took off. So a lot of people always think that, you know, they could do it themselves, but, you know, there is value in a cover designer. There is value. And the cover speaks volumes for your book. Yes. It really does. It speaks to people who are maybe just flipping and looking and seeing the cover of your book and that attracts them or it doesn't attract them. Right. You know, so I mean, it's it's one of those things, again, that's important. And it's great when you get to self-publish because you get to make those decisions. Right. But I think it's a process and it's a learning thing because if you do make mistakes, it's okay Right? Right. You can always, like you said, you put out the second edition. Right. Right? You learn from your mistakes. And you learn. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know exactly 
what that feels like. So congratulations to you on both the books. Thank Tell you very us much. What, you're welcome. Tell us where we can get the books. The books are available on Amazon. There are um, physical copies available through um, Ingram Spark, which is my distributor. Um, stores, bookstores can order them directly. They're also out there on most of the other book providers out there, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, um, the ebooks are on, on Google and um, iTunes. The audiobook is on Audible. So it's pretty much out there, pretty much released pretty much wide. It's out there wide. There's not only one place that you could get it. You could get both books anywhere. If people wanted to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, my Pretty much my social media. I'm very active on Twitter. But I also have a Facebook page. I also have a Tumblr page. And I also have my direct uh, website, which is centelsmithpublishing.com. That's pretty much the most direct way to get in touch with me. My books are on there. The audiobook is also on there in um, physical CD um format for cds you know because not everybody listens to like their audiobooks through streaming they still listen to them on cds and i don't know if they listen to them on tape these days that's kind of of a dated um tape yeah dating yourself since now not tape <laughs> right CDs maybe <laughs> right so the the physical cd box set is also available on my website and you know that's pretty much where anybody could find me Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This means that you are now an official member of the book club, which means when the other books come out, I you have an open invitation to come back and Sounds talk good. about them at any time. So I expect you to come back because you are a book club member and we definitely want to hear next year. I expect you to be letting me know book three is coming out. So yes. we can definitely have you come on and talk about it. Sintel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I truly enjoyed speaking with you. It's been great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bright Headed Publishing Patio Book Book Club. I just wrapped up with author Sintel Smith. He talked about his book, Call Number, and Book Endings, the first two books of his six-book series. You can check him out on his website at centelsmith.com. All his information is in the podcast description. If you are wanting to be on the podcast, and let's say you're an author or someone who supports authors, like an editor, then yeah, come on. Email me at brightheadedpublishing.com gmail.com brightheadedpublishing at gmail.com I'm on social media I'm on LinkedIn Twitter Facebook and Instagram and there's a YouTube channel I can't wait till next week we'll welcome another new book club member another author but until then keep writing keep writing